everybody. This is Chris. You're listening to the Talent Hacks podcast. Uh, Sasanka's out today, but I'm here in the studio, a.k.a. our office, uh, with guests of the podcast and friend of Launch Source and Launch Source alumni, uh, Mr. Patrick Crane. How's it going, Pat? It's going great. It's, uh, it's good to be uh, an official friend of the pod. Yeah, it's good to have you here, man. Um, so Pat came through Launch Source. I don't know. How long ago did you come through as a candidate? Oh, wow. You guys were still at UMass Boston. So this was like prehistoric days. Yeah, this was like a couple of years ago. You're probably uh, one of the first people to come through as... Maybe three now, three years. Okay, well, cool. Uh, probably before I was even there, I think. You were just a glimmer in Sasanka's eye. <laughs> That's uh, really creepy. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so you know what we really want to talk about today um, is kind of Pat's journey, uh, not really necessarily coming through Launch Source, but starting as an SDR and now in his position um, at a company called Blue Conic as an, an account executive. So he was going to give us some insight onto you know. I guess his journey and then um, maybe, you know, what he thinks managers can do better in terms of hiring SDRs, looking for skills and things like that. Um, so does that sound good, Pat? Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm can't wait to get into it. All right, man. So um, what, I guess, on your journey, like what was the most important thing to you um, or what was the most important thing to know to get from that SDR position to AE? Because I know a lot of SDRs are stuck and they, they say, how do I get there? What, what do I need to do to actually get promoted to an AE? Uh, wow. That's, um, so yeah, to, to that point, I've worked with a lot of other SDRs having uh, been one myself and it's always the topic at the water cooler. It's always the thing you think about on the commute home from work. What do I need to do to get to that, that closing role or whatever that next step may be? You know, maybe it's not a closing role. We talk a lot about, uh, SDR is needing to be the farm team for your organization and not everyone maybe has a future in sales, but they still have a future in your company. We can obviously uh, come back to that later. But I think the most important thing to know if you're an SDR, it, it kind of breaks down into two parts. Um, and the first is that being a good SDR does not necessarily translate into being a good account executive. They're actually two different skill sets. Uh, and the second that you cannot be um, a dial robot. Uh, and I'll, I'll um, give my uh, my own definition of that and kind of come back to what I mean. But we'll start with the first, which is that the skill sets are not necessarily the same. Um, so to be a really good SDR, a lot of it involves being good in structure uh, and you know following a specific cadence. And your job is to kind of start at the top of the funnel. And depending on the organization you're in, you might have more responsibilities beyond cold calling. You could be prospecting yourself. You could be running initial meetings. You might be trusted with custom outreach. But it's a very different focus and it's a very different metric for success than when you're switched to an AE where, depending on the company, you're either taking over from that first meeting and bringing it all the way to a close. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with legal negotiations. You're running product definitions. You're having technical calls. You're bringing in other resources from the company. Um, it's not just, can I get someone to commit to 15 minutes of time with another member of my company? So necessarily being a stud BDR and you're, you're crushing your numbers and you're, you're dialing away and, and you love it, that might not necessarily translate to being a good AE because there's just so much that that job doesn't prepare you for. And that's kind of the big, the big, um, the big secret. Maybe it's a dirty secret, but you have to develop those skills from exposure and from your own work outside 
uh, of the office. Just cold calling and doing normal SDR tasks will not get you to an account executive role. Right. Just doing the job that you're supposed to do is not going to uh, get you to that next level, right? You have to start maybe showing that you're doing part of the other job or at least researching it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and some companies are different. I was lucky where I've, I've had some really good managers who had a lot of trust in me. And uh, there were times where I was kind of thrown into the water and the, um, the upper management was like, well, if he, if he dies, he dies. But if yeah. he can survive, then we know he might be ready for the next step. So sometimes that's running a discovery call on your own or being trusted to ask a few questions on the demo or getting an inside look into how maybe your pricing plans get put together, just more and more exposure. Uh, and I think exposure is the key word there. And that's something that maybe managers can help with. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is on the rep. Um, so to give an example, if you're a BDR and your responsibility is to set an introductory call, and maybe you run that introductory call, and then the handoff to the AE happens on maybe a software demonstration, if you leave the room and never sit in on the software demo, you're never going to learn what the AE has to do, you're never going to develop, and that shows at least for me as an account executive, that maybe you're not ready for that next step because you're not thinking yet about how you fit into the greater whole of the sales organization. And is that something like SDRs should be asking their managers, like, let me sit on a product demo and, you know, maybe not their first week on the job, but down the road, like, hey, you know, I kind of want to get, I want to get that exposure to that. You know, would you suggest an SDR ask their manager for that? Or is that something that you have to kind of like wait to be given? Oh, 100%. Um, definitely, you know, don't do it your first week. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the minute you start standing still is the minute you start to die, right? You have to keep pushing forward. You have to keep adding new things to your plate and pushing yourself and learning new things. Um, and a lot of that will come from other exposure to parts of the company. Um, so one of the, again, kind of unique things about being a BDR is that you are sometimes by design siloed you have a, a, a dial number you have to hit you have a list of calls your your world is very small it's linkedin it's a dialer like sales loft and then it's just go 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 and then it's 5 30 and you go home the issue with that is if that's as wide as your lens is you can never be anything above that because for me as an account executive i have to think about whom the BDRs that work with me are calling. I have to think about how my customer success team can handle the pitches I'm making or the promises that I make during a sales process. I have to be aware of uh, my tech team's product development timeline to make sure that I don't commit to a feature or hint at a feature that puts them in a bad position. I have to constantly be in lockstep and think about, okay, after I do my job, which is the sale, what happens after to ensure that this is successful both for my company and for the company that I'm working with? Uh, and I think that that's a, that's a mind shift, uh, mind, um, mindset. Switch. Yeah, there we go. Mindset switch. That's really hard to get, um, on your own. It's not really something you can train in because it's quite the opposite. Oftentimes we're trained to just focus on you next call, smile and dial, whatever it may be. So that's, I think another really important thing for, um, for BDRs to maybe focus on if they want to do that, that graduation, that next step. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, you, you also mentioned, you know, managers, right. And, and actually I really like your, uh, your hot take here, right? Um, that the SDR isn't necessarily on track to be an AE, but I know a lot of people think that way, right? They think if I just do this job for a year, I'll be an AE. And I think even some managers think that like, you know, my next AE is going to come from my group of SDRs. But like you said, that's not always true. So what are some things managers can do like programs or systems they can have in place to give these SDRs more exposure or, um, or help them like understand the next step to get to that role. 
Yeah, I think that um, it comes down to the fact that you can't solely be judged on numbers. I think that, you know, numbers are important, right? We're in sales. So all BDR should have a quota, whether that's calls per day or prospects added or, you know, if, if you book people on meetings or if you're paid on opportunities, you still need that. But the idea that if you hit quota every month for 12 months in a row, that you're automatically an AE, that the skills will somehow have fallen out of the sky and now you're good. That's just, yeah, it's a myth. So it's important to have maybe something like a skills tracker, which is something I, I was lucky enough to have uh, in place by my manager when I was at BDR at Bluconic um, that focused on soft skills. And he rated me on where he thought I was and where I thought I needed to improve. And every week I knew that, okay, I'm getting the, the SDR part of my job done, my, my calls, but the AE part, that's these soft skills and that's going to, you know, exposure. And I was put in a position to get that. And that's something management can do, um, as well, put people in positions. And once they've shown that maybe they're ready for a little bit more, take off the reins a little bit, let them see one more thing, let them ask one more question, let them run the first half of the discovery call and maybe come in if it goes off the rails. But that exposure is crucial. Um, I think it was like my 10th discovery call at Blue Conic. My manager just closed his laptop and said, okay, so you got this one. And just kind of was like, nope, go fly. And if it, it, you crash, you crash. <laughs> and that, you know, after you get the first one done, the adrenaline dies down. You're like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't scary at all. Now I can do this. And then you build on that. But you have to have that. You have to earn that trust. Mm-hmm. But then as a manager, you have to have points where you feel comfortable to let them fly a little. Right. So uh, all awesome, awesome, like, tips there and everything but i think we jumped ahead a little bit right now if we've got uh (laughs) like a recent launch source alum or anybody who's in the sdr role right now maybe they're just worried about you know being the uh best sdr they they can be so like if you had to suggest to anybody um you know how to be the best sdr you know what are the things that you look for in a really good sdr yeah absolutely so so mindset is really really important Um, I think that any SDR who's going to make it has to be prepared for, you know, their days occasionally to really suck and they're going to suck for about 18 months Okay. because that's probably the, the, the shortest timeline I've seen from off the street being a BDR to a closing role a year and a half. And you got to ha- kind of have that same shit, different day attitude. You got to be able to laugh it off when things go wrong. You got to be able to sit down and learn from a mistake and understand that nothing that happens is ever a bad thing if you can learn and get better from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the second part of that mindset is no passengers, right? So my big thing, especially when, when I'm thinking about people that I want on my team, is I can't afford passengers. A lot of the companies that these young SDRs are going to are, are startups. And the, the truth of most startups is they fail. They die all the time, mm-hmm. every day. There's someone who didn't make it their dream, you know, and not everyone can be Uber. Not everyone can be HubSpot. Where we have these massive IPO valuation. Everyone's like, I want that. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to end in failure. Statistically, yeah. So not happen. the idea that you can kind of come on and be a passenger and just sit down at your desk and do your thing and not be involved and not have any driving force towards the success that actively hurts the company. So for me, I need people who are ready to get out and push. I need you to bring something that I don't have. I need you to be confident in your skill set, and then rely on us as people who are at the company or rely on your manager to put you in a position to maximize that skill set. Good managers are a lot like good coaches. You know, you don't recruit all the same person. You recruit people that have unique skills, and eventually you put together a team where someone's strengths cover for someone else's weakness, and the team is better than any individual. Um, so that's kind of, I think, where, where I come from. I obviously have a sports background, so I'm going to make that comparison a lot. But 
can't be a passenger, got to be ready to get out and push. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to be able to kind of laugh off failure and learn from it. Cool. And so, uh, like, kind of follow up on that, the other day at the alumni event, which it was awesome to see there, it was a good um, time. you mentioned that being a good SDR is really dependent on the company. Yeah. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Sure. This might be uh, a little bit of a, a hot take, so bear with me. Love Certain it. products are better <laughs> for the SDR model than others. Okay. Um, if your product has a simple value prop, if there's like, you know, we do X and that increased Y by Z, that can easily be learned and it's really specific and you have like a target persona, it's easier to pick up. It's probably easier to cold call and, and scale that. If you're selling something like a marketing cloud, that requires you to speak intelligently and coherently to multiple moving parts and multiple other systems. And the value prop is really dependent on you calling into one of, you know, eight persona types. The ramp is a little longer. Sure. So it really depends on where you land and how they approach that development standpoint, like how early you're kind of thrown to the wolves. Um, That I would say that those are a little bit harder because it requires a little bit more of an innate ability to handle that information. Um, you know, a transactional sale for a product that's 5k, 10k, that's a very different BDR AE track that it is to work in a consultative sale where the average sale price is upwards of, you know, 60 grand. And you're speaking to CMOs and CTOs all the time, because I think that we see this on LinkedIn with this, this new trend of naming and shaming BDRs when you get a bad email. Being a BDR is balancing an impossible mix of high quality outreach at an obscene amount of touches. I need you to make a hundred extra individualized, personalized phone calls a day. There's not enough time. So they're put in these hard positions. And especially if, you know, your, your target outreach is C-level folks who have 30 levels of business experience and you're expected to provide unexpected value when you pick up the phone with them, that's really, really hard. And it puts people in tough positions. Uh, I'm not saying that those companies can't have BDRs. They shouldn't have BDRs, but no one should pick up predictable revenue or the sales development playbook and just print out the pages and be like, yeah, that'll work for us. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, and that's why a lot of times you get really bad emails from SDRs or really bad cold calls. And it's like, that person is not quite ready. And they don't really understand my problem that I'm trying to solve right now, right? Yeah, it's, you know, you get the classic where, you know, and I was the same way, where you feature dump. You talk about, yep. you know, yep. all the cool stuff your product does. And it's, you don't stop to think about what value do I bring? What challenge do I solve for you? How do I make your day better? And then once you kind of step back and get a little simpler and start from there, you realize, that, oh, this is this is a lot easier to do. And some of that just comes with time. And I think that it's, it's unfortunate that there's this weird trend about you shaming BDRs because that's, in the end, that's on the... I that's hate the, to see that. That's a sales org. Yeah, that's I not hate the to BDR. see that on LinkedIn. You know, it's some kid just trying to do a job. And again, it's, if you have a problem with it, find his manager. Right. Why is he sending these emails? Why is this his cadence? Why are you reaching out to me, not talking about my pain? Why don't you understand us better? And for me, I mean, I was really lucky where uh, at my first BDR gig, I had the CMO explain to me why he preferred to have all of his emails on the same chain. And he he wasn't ready to buy. He wasn't ready to have a conversation. But he said, hey, I like the way that you write. Um, As a heads up, always keep your emails on the same chain so I can always look back and see that the the correspondents don't send separate ones to get to the top of my inbox. Hmm. It was really good advice. And I use it every day. And that was a guy who took time out of his day to help a BDR. And that's what I'd much rather see. Yeah. Because again, they're, these guys are young. You know, they're, they're, they're just stepping into the role. Give a little bit. I'm sure that when, you know, some of these leaders that are angry at BDRs were, were 22, 23, they probably sent a boneheaded email once in a while. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all made mistakes early on in our career. We still make mistakes, right? Early and often. Don't yeah. tell my boss. <laughs> um, yeah, as, an, as a young person in any company, you should be a sponge, right? You should just be absorbing whatever you can from anybody that's willing to give you some advice. Um, and on that note, you know, like you've mentioned that you know some good resources like books and, and stuff or people to follow. Like who would you recommend reading or following on, uh, on the Internet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got a couple of folks. I'm going to first shout out my boy, uh, James Muir. We don't actually know each other, but um, I follow him on LinkedIn and I have his book, <laughs> The Perfect Close. Um, definitely changed my sales career for cool. the better. I um, think it's a great book. I think he really does a good job of explaining sales. Uh, I think that one of the, the struggles I have with sales gurus, uh, one, don't call yourself a guru, just don't. Um, <laughs> the second is that a lot of the times it's really... Um, it's like talking about field sales or it's talking about, you know, selling services and for SaaS, which is what, you know, how I met you guys. And that's what I'm in. It's just so irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but his stuff was super, super good. Um, again, that perfect close technique by the book, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, changed everything for me and it made me a better salesperson. I think it let me give other people better experiences. And I've been really, really lucky to put that into play early into my career. Uh, he's also super talkative on LinkedIn, follow him, ask him questions. He's great. The second guy is a guy named David Brock. He wrote a book called uh, the sales manager's survival guide. I'm not a sales manager, so I don't own the book, but I followed him really early in my career and I actually shot him like a LinkedIn message for advice. Uh, and he got back to me within 20 minutes. He has no idea who I am. Um, cool. We just did a, a podcast on finding a mentor and networking. And if you haven't listened to that, give that one a listen. Because it's one of the things we say is don't be afraid to ask people for advice because they'll get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I probably name dropped a few books. Um, the Sales Development uh, Playbook, Trish Bertuzzi. That's yep. a, even if you are not managing the team, it is so good to understand how you fit into the org. So that should, if you ever wonder like, why do I have to make this many calls? Or why am I doing sure. it this way? the more you can understand about how you fit into the greater company, the better you can be at that role because you start to understand how it affects other people and that's going to make you better. Yeah, Sasanka made... every Everyone at Launch Source has to read that book, actually. Really? Yeah. Classic <laughs> Sasanka. Um, cool, man. Well, anything else uh, you want to add right now? Or um, I think that, that kind of wraps up most of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would. Uh, I'll bring it back to another kind of... Uh, lesson I learned from, from my times yeah. as, a, as a college athlete. Um, so we had uh, a practice and it was really, really bad. It was like 6 a.m. and I played the cross. We were just dropping the ball everywhere. And our coach pulled us in and he like looked us in the eyes and says, do not waste my time using this practice where you get better. This is where the team gets better. You get better on your own time. And I think that that applies directly to work, especially as a BDR. Do not use the work day to get better as an individual. That's when the organization gets better by you booking appointments and setting appointments and follow-ups and putting deals into the pipeline. You have to focus your personal time on the weekend or on the commute in or at lunch researching to get better. And that might be reading a book, a sales book, as opposed to you know Harry Potter on the weekend. That might be listening to a sales podcast like this one, shameless plug, on the way into <laughs> your office. We love it. We also love Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, I have a Harry Potter tattoo. I'm obviously a huge fan. Oh this is the first book that I thought of. Um, no, I, for, so for me, it's you got to be able to be hungry on your own time because that shows me as someone who might be willing to mentor you that you're willing to take it seriously and you're really willing to put in the work. Um, and I guess one more point is, hey, don't be afraid to, to be into it. 
don't be afraid to be a sales nerd, mm-hmm. to be whatever your industry is, that kind of nerd. Because if you go all in, if you learn, you become someone who understands that space, that that's what makes you a good salesperson. Sure. Because people will look to you as an expert. You'll be able to bring them value and they will be willing to talk to you and they're going to want their friends to talk to you. And then all of a sudden you have a book of business that, you know, in the end, yeah, product is important and pain is important and all that stuff. People still buy from you. So I definitely BR shouldn't look sight shouldn't lose sight of that. Don't be a robot. Be yourself. Let your manager put you in a position to be successful, but don't lose sight of who you are. Embrace it hundred percent and see where that takes you. And don't be complacent in the SDR role. Don't think just doing your job is gonna get you promoted, right? Like you've got Absolutely. to take the time outside of work to self improve. And if you don't know where to start, ask your manager for some resources, check out those resources, those books and those people to follow that Pat just mentioned. And, um, and, and you have to do that on your own time. You can't use company time to do that. Right. Yeah. hundred percent because company time is when the company gets better and you time is when you get better. And if you can really commit to that and it doesn't have to be, you know, a book a day, it can just be a chapter a day. Every little step will count. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Your sales career won't be either. So stay level-headed, understand you're probably in it for the long haul, and just take every day as it comes. Awesome, man. You want to uh, plug your company, Blue Conic, here? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Patrick Crane. I'm an account executive at Blue Conic. We are the world's most accessible customer data platform, uh, and we're growing. So if you are curious about what we're all about, you can find us at blueconic.com. Uh, you can see our job postings if you want to be a part of what we're building. Um, best day of my life was when I, I walked in and took that interview. Uh, I love going in every day. I love selling it. Uh, I love being around the team. So I can't say enough good things about it. Um, but I'll also do a shameless plug for the guys at launch source. Um, I mean, I was on the phone when I was, uh, just moving to Boston with Sasanka asking about getting a mattress into an apartment because I had six <laughs> days to find a place right. in Boston from where I was moving from Connecticut. So I owe you guys a lot. So hopping on this podcast and, and talking about my experiences to help other people that you work with, that's something I'm always willing to do. And it was a pleasure to hop on. Well, it's awesome having you here and thank you for doing my job for me there, by the way. Like, <laughs> yes, come apply to Launchers if you're looking for a career. Obviously, Blue Conics are a great company, but if you're an SDR, we can hook you up with a lot of awesome startups around here. So um, Pat is an awesome and successful alumni and he comes back for our alumni events and he's actually um, an advisor for us too. Um, so just a great dude all around and we love having him. We love seeing him. So Pat, thanks for being here and uh, you know, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.